chapter 12. Finally come to the verses I've been wanting to get to. And I pray it don't fall too flat. <laughs> this is a, a wonderful passage of Scripture that uh, Paul has written for us here concerning our Lord. And uh, I just absolutely love uh, verse number 2. As we looked at last week, looking unto Jesus, uh, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Man, what a, what a verse. What a verse that Paul gives us there. And then we've been studying here in this passage, uh, and we, we looked beyond that this morning in Sunday school concerning the chastening of the Lord uh, on down from verse number Five there on down through the end of uh, down to verse number fifteen through this that section of the passage as Paul describes the chastening there. Uh, Paul is encouraging these Hebrews in their following after the Lord, and he's encouraging them in their faith. They're facing a great deal of persecution, a great deal of struggle that's coming that's come upon them to, that they find themselves in the position that they are in. and uh, So he's encouraging them, giving them the, the stories of, of faith that they were all too familiar with as he accounts to them there in chapter number 11, all of those uh, fathers of their own uh, history, all the fathers of their faith and what they endured and went through and uh, the things that they would endure and and. And all the while, their faith in the promises of God holding firm, standing out as they continue through their lives and, and that faith being displayed. And Then he, he ends that hall of faith there in chapter 12 with the Lord Jesus. And again, those, those that he mentions in chapter 11, they displayed characteristics of faith. They, they showed faith in their lives. Jesus is a little different uh, because He doesn't show the characteristics of faith. He's the author and finisher of our faith, you see. He's the one that we're to fix our eyes on. These are examples. These are examples. But we don't draw strength from Moses. We don't draw strength from Abraham. We don't draw strength from David or Rahab or any of the others. We don't draw strength. We get, we get some, maybe some inspiration in the sense of their stories of faith and what they endure, but our strength comes from our Lord. Our hope comes from Him. Our faith comes from Him. He is the one that our eyes are to be fixed upon. The author and finisher of our faith. And so Paul continues with that thought, looking unto Jesus, he says in verse number 2, and then verse number 3, he says, consider Him. Consider Him. Now, verse number 1, 
He tells us there that we are to run the race. And he's, he's using an example from those Greek games that those folks were all too familiar with, the things that were going on, the competitions that were a part of it there. And so he uses the reference of those games there in verse number 1 to speak of them running, to run that race that is set before them. But here in chapter, in verse 3 rather, chapter 3 because it's taken me so long to get here, verse 3, he uses another reference, verses 3 and 4, and that's, that's also a competition that they were familiar with, and that's the gladiators coming to battle in the arena. Consider him and endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. The run the race deals with those things that are within us. Those sins, those failures, those shortcomings those trespasses, those, those weights that doth so easily beset us, he says. Those are the things that are within us that he's describing. Here in verse number 3, he's talking about those things outside of us that come against us. And so yes, we're attacked from within and we are attacked from without as well as the children of God. And so he describes these things that are outside. These things that, that are coming against us from this world. In the race, he says that we are to run it with patience. That we are to persevere in that race as we continue faithful in our service to the Lord. And facing these things without... He says that we are to continue looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, considering Him and the things that He endured in His life, that we not be faint in our own minds as we face these things, these attacks from without. The run the race was to lay aside the sin that is in our own lives. As we consider Him, we are preparing for persecution and even martyrdom as He gives encouragement to these folks that He's writing to. Consider Him, He said. Consider Him. The word consider here means to compute by comparing proportions. To compute by comparing proportions. And so what he's meaning to us there when he says that we're to consider him is if you think your life is hard, if you think these attacks on you are, are fierce, if you think these things coming against you are just too much, consider Christ. Consider our Lord and what he endured. Consider our Lord and what he faced for you. Yours is not that bad, he says. You've not yet resisted unto blood, he says there in verse number 4. It's not that bad yet. 
Consider what our Lord has endured. Consider what He went through for you. So compute, he says, by by comparing those proportions. Kind of... We have to stop at times and reframe our thinking because we can get we can get overburdened in self. We can get overwhelmed with the things that are around us, and and that we become so fixated on that that we we fail to put it in perspective of what it really is in our lives. Truly, how how heavy it is. So often, and we've all been through, we've all had trials, we've all had those tribulations that we've endured, that we went through, that we get on the other side in some time past and we'll be able to look back and see those things, to see those struggles, to see those trials. You know what? It really wasn't that bad. It really wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was in the moment. It's at those times that, that we're able to look back and see how the Lord strengthened us. That we're able to look back and see how He is, He helped us in that time to see the people that He put in our lives to come alongside and, and help us through that. To see those that come along to help carry us through those particular situations. And, and we look back on them. You know, it, 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 wasn't that, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was at the time. And so Paul is just simply doing that here for us. When, when those, those times get heavy, when the things around us look bleak, when those attacks from outside of us seem that, that they are just overwhelming us in this world that we live in, consider Christ. Consider Him. Oh, what He endured for you. Consider Him. And endured such contradiction. Such contradiction against himself. Contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. We find ourselves in the storms of life when persecutions rise against us, when men begin to rail on us for our stand for Jesus. Consider him. The more we try to emulate the example of our Lord, the more this world will oppose us. And sadly, it's not, it's not those distant from us. Sadly, it's our own friends our own family members, those that we put trust in, those that we, we have, have a, a closeness with. It's those that the more we stand for Christ and the more we strive to be like Him, it's those that we'll find suddenly the attacks come from. Satan knows exactly how to attack. He knows exactly how to tear down the people of God. He's good at it. He's been doing it for a long time. He's not changed. His M.O., he continues on with that same, same recipe because it works great. 
And so because it works so well, he knows, he knows the attacks to bring against us. He knows what can seemingly hurt us the most. He knows what can, can tear us down the easiest. He, he knows those things to bring against us to try to bring ruin in our lives. And it is why, it is why it is of utmost importance for us as the children of God to consider Him. To consider Christ. To keep our eyes fixed on Him. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 8. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Read verse 7 as well. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but done that I may win Christ. The loss, he says, of all things. Paul had a, a great deal that he gave up for his service to the Lord. He was one of the Sanhedrin he, was, he, he himself declared, he said, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, he had genealogy, the tribe of Benjamin. He, he, was, he, he, he had so much power among the Jews. He was revered among them as one that was, was impeccable. Paul, he's the, one, he's the one we, or Saul, I should say, he's the one we look to. Probably named after his great-great-great-great-grandpa. He was of the tribe of Benjamin that may have named him after Saul the king. But here, but here he was. He, was he, he, he had all of these things of importance that he pointed. By the way, in order to be a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, a man had to, have, had to be married, of course, and have children in order to be a member of the Sanhedrin. Paul never mentions his children. I don't know why. I don't know why. But I know that's one of the one of the requirements of being a member of the Sanhedrin. You had to you had to have a family. And he never mentions that. Uh, other than the fact that he said he would never marry again. And so we don't know if his his wife died uh, or, or or she left him because of his faith in Christ. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know these things. But he never mentions his children, and we know that's a requirement for him to be a member of the Sanhedrin, so that's an odd thing too. And that, that may be part of the loss here that he's describing. But he says he counts all things, all things that he's lost, he counts them, he counts them as dumb for Christ. 
That, that Christ was the chief thing. In other words, Paul, Paul said Jesus is first in my life. Above everything else, He's first. Everything else is second. Everything else even can be lost. Jesus is first in my life. Above everything else, He's first. When Satan attacks, when those attacks come from outside, and He's using those that we love, He's using those that are dear, He's using those that, that, that we hold in high esteem, He's using those that are important to us in our life, He's using them to attack us. It's hard for us to put Jesus first in those situations. It's hard to, to have this mindset that Paul is talking about there in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. It's hard to have that mindset when we're facing those situations. And so Paul says, considering. Consider him. Now this hymn, of course, is the same hymn, the verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's the hymn that we are to consider. And He is worthy of all consideration. He says, consider Him that endured. Such contradiction of sinners against himself. Such contradiction of sinners against himself. Our Lord suffered so that we can't even begin to fully imagine the depths of his suffering. It was so great. It was so, so heavy on him. We, we see the effects of that suffering as he himself described the weight of it to his disciples. When he would go there that evening before his arrest to pray, and he prayed with such earnestness there before his father that the Bible tells us that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. So intense, so intense was his suffering in that moment. So intense was his holding on to the father in that moment that he was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. But here he focuses on these things that sinners brought against him. Paul says, just consider those. The, the, the suffering was far greater than what the Roman soldiers did to him. The suffering was far greater than what the Jews did to him. The suffering was unimaginably greater 
than what man did to him in those hours. But Paul says, just consider those. Just, just consider those. That contradiction of sinners against himself. Just consider those. These sufferings that he endured, this contradiction of sinners against himself, against himself rather, began even before his birth. I mean, Satan was trying every way in the world to upset the will of God. And it's, I mean, we look at it from our perspective. We look at it from, from the full revelation of the Scriptures, and we can look back and see Satan's attacks and how he strove to upset the will of God throughout history. And we, we shake our heads and we, what in the world? What, what kind of idiot does Satan have to be that he thinks he's going to, that he thinks he's going to overturn the will of God? And yet he's, he's constantly doing that. And we look and we scratch our heads and we wonder how, why in the world does he think he's going to be able to do that? That he's somehow going to be able to upset the will and purpose of God? Well, think that about Satan. But we won't consider it about ourselves when we're doing the exact same thing. Great was the suffering against our Lord. Again, even before His birth. Satan attempted to mess up the genealogy even long before. And the, and the Lord was pulling these, these miracles out all along the way. We have Rahab the harlot mentioned there in Hebrews chapter 11. Well, that was a curveball Satan had no idea about, wasn't it? You had the, the sin with David and Bathsheba and, the, and that, that, that awful situation that took place there in David's life with that adultery and and that, that, that murder situation that took place there. The Lord uses that to even bring to pass Christ Jesus. All these, these attacks, even, even on His genealogy, and then you, you come to the time of His birth, and you have Mary great with child, ready to be delivered, and she's forced by the decree of Caesar Augustus to make the journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. which could have caused death of the child, uh, premature birth, problems in the birth, and yet she makes that journey down without any problems. No doubt she was uncomfortable. No doubt there was, there was great concern on her behalf. But the Lord protected at birth, even, 
at his birth, there was no place for him to be born. They went nowhere near a hospital. Uh, there was no doctor in waiting. In fact, there was no midwife in waiting here. And they end up being born in a stable area. And placing the Lord wrapped in swaddling clothes, the, 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 the cloths that were used to wrap the newborn lambs at birth to keep them warm, they used those to wrap our Lord with and to place Him in the manger upon His birth. As a young infant and toddler, Herod sought to kill him. And so his family had to escape to Egypt. And there, protected by the Lord there in Egypt until they would return after the death of Herod and come back into Nazareth again. In Psalm 88 and verse number 15, Psalm 88 and verse number 15, we know very little about the Lord's childhood. We have only one instance of it recorded for us when he was 12, teaching in the temple. In Psalm 88 and verse number 15, he tells us here though, I am afflicted. And ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Ready to die from my youth up. There was constantly, even through his childhood, there was constant attacks on him by Satan. Using men to do that work. He endured one continuous, unrelenting contradiction of sinners against himself throughout his life. And then it came to his hour. Well, it came to his ministry. He was accused of deceiving by the Jews, he was accused of perverting the people by the Jews. He was opposed. He was rejected because he conversed with dare, conversed with sinners. <laughs> oh, aren't you glad he converses with sinners? Amen. He was charged with breaking the law. He would dare extend mercy on the Sabbath day. In fact, his miracles would be attributed to the devil. One constant contradiction of sinners against himself. And though he was the incarnate Son of God, at his hour, at the purpose of which He would come to this earth, the very reason that He was here to begin with, 
Though He was the incarnate Son of God, He was spat upon. He was mocked. A crown of thorns was driven upon His head. He was arrayed in a purple robe of mocking. And they scourged Him. Likely with a cat of nine tails. Thirty-nine stripes. Tore him so badly from just that beating that he was not recognized as a man. His beard was plucked from his face. They beat him with their fist. He was hung between two thieves. And there they crucified him, nailed him to that cross. There he gave his life. The King of Kings, the Lord of glory, the Creator of heaven and earth, allowed His own creation to bring such contradiction against Him that He might bring life to you and I. Consider Him. Consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. And all that He endured, He faltered not once. Having set His face like a flint, He accomplished the will of His Father. Isaiah 50, in fact, verse number 7. Isaiah 50 and verse number 7. He said, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. Set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. Luke chapter number 9, verse number 51 Describes the setting of his face. Luke 9, verse 51. It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
Consider Him. Consider Him. This is, Paul is telling us here in our text that this is the remedy for us when we, when we feel faint and wearied in our minds, when we feel overwhelmed at the attacks of this world, when we feel like there's just too much of a burden on us, against us, the contradiction of sinners against us, when we feel the weight of that, this is the remedy for it here. Consider Christ. Consider Him. When we've had all that we can take, when it feels, when we are absolutely at the end of our rope, not another inch do we have. Consider Him. Consider Him. Philippians chapter 2. Paul says in verse number 5, Philippians 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Consider Him, and let the mind of Christ be your mindset. Consider Him. He says to us there in our text in verse 4, For you've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Not yet, he says. Not yet. We've been so blessed in our nation in these last many years that we've enjoyed such privilege granted to us by God. We've, been, we've enjoyed the, the freedoms that we have. Uh, our forefathers paid uh, greatly to make sure that we would have such blessings, to make sure that we would not have to face these same kind of contradictions that our Lord faced. We've been so blessed. And there's not a one of us that have yet resisted unto blood. Not yet. Not yet. It may come. It may come. Persecution that would require our very lives. may come. And at that time, Paul says, consider him. Consider him. But nothing we have faced thus far, as bad and as hard as it may have been, or maybe still is, We've not endured anything 
like what our Savior endured for us. Consider Him. Don't be weary. Paul says there in, in Galatians chapter 6, don't be weary and well-doing. Don't be weary and well-doing. Continue steadfastly. Continue faithful. Continue faithful. Continue on through the trial. Continue on through those attacks. Continue on through those persecutions. Continue on. But the only way you can continue on is that your eyes be fixed on Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Consider Him. Consider Him. Don't be weary, Paul says, and faint in your mind. Consider Him. It is only in Christ that we have life. It is only in Him that we have faith. It is only in Him that we have strength. It is in Him that we live. It is in Him that we move. It is in Him that we have our being, Paul says there in Acts chapter 17. It is in Christ. In Christ. Consider Him. Consider Him. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Every, every day. Every day. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, would you bring us a song?